What's up, church? This morning, I would like to be a little honest with you. Um, Like I told the last service, this is probably the first time I've ever shared uh, this particular part of my story uh, in front of a a congregation. Uh, I was studying these passages, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verses uh, 12 through 16, and also Hebrews 5, 1 through 10, and it took me back about 10 years ago. Uh, I was a struggling Bible student, and I remember this vividly because I was in my early 20s, and I remember taking this warehouse job uh, to stack boxes to save up uh, half of a tuition payment so I could go to Bible college. As a matter of fact, I was new to my faith. I had just given my life to Jesus Christ, and it was just this burden on the inside of me to want to go to Bible college to learn more about God. And so I took this job, and I'm working this job, and I save up half of the tuition check, and I, I go to this Bible college, and I'll never forget talking to this guy named David Krogh. He was the lead admission office officer at this school, and I sat him down, and I shared my story with him. I said, man, I just came to faith, and, and I believe God, and Jesus is doing something in my life, and I'm just believing, like, would you allow me to make half of a tuition check payment to you and, and just, like, start classes? And he sat across from me, and he looked at me, and he looked me up and down, and I, and I told him, I, I reiterated to him, I said, man, this is all I have. These are my peanuts. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trusting God, because I read this scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I, I took Jesus' words, literally, that if I sought the kingdom of God, that he would make a way. And so David Crow. And with his generous self, he says, you know what, Terrence, I'm going to allow you to, to start uh, a Bible college. So he allowed me to enroll into Old Testament survey and New Testament survey and several other courses. And I'll never forget, I made it all the way uh, to the middle of the semester almost. And I'm taking this New Testament survey class and we just so happen to be in the book of Hebrews. And this is why I'm so fired up about why Jesus is so much greater. It's because this day, I remember this day so vividly because I go to school, but I'm frustrated and I'm sad because my car had just broken down. Here it is. My family didn't understand why I would go to school and learn about God. I really didn't have that much support while I was going to Bible college. I was uh, trying to raise all of these funds to pay for my tuition check. And my only source to get back and forth to work has just broken down. And I'm frustrated and I'm sad. And I'm having these thoughts like I'm going to have to go to school and tell Mr. Krogh and Dr. Joe, one of my favorite professors at the time, that I'm not going to going to be able to finish school. So I go to the school and I'll never forget, man. I walk in the doors and I head straight to the chapel. It was a small chapel, about a hundred or 200 seats. And I go to the altar and I literally kneel down at the altar and I say, God, I need your help. I need your help. I don't know how I'm going to continue school, but I know I want to offer up my life and give it to you so you can use it in amazing ways. And I just prayed this prayer. I need your help. 
I go into the New Testament survey class, and Dr. Joe, he was an older, fiery guy, man, bald head, uh, mid-50s, and everything out of his mouth was hallelujah, praise God, amen. I mean, he was that guy that had this phrase, and I remember it so vividly because he would always say it. And he comes in the classroom this night, and he looks at me for some particular reason, and he says, Terrence, do you know that Jesus Christ is your greater high priest? And I'm sitting there and I say, if I could be honest, I I don't know about that Uh, because my car had just (laughs) broken down. And I, I I just laid it out in front of the class. I said, Dr. Joe, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish school, man, because my car broke down. I, I don't know how I'm gonna get, I don't have that much support. And he looks at me and he says these words. He says, Jesus is better. That was his response to, to my complaint. He says, Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Immediately following the class, Dr. Joe, the man that I hardly knew, he was just my professor at the time, but became my mentor, literally walks up to me after the class and he says, Jesus is your high priest and don't you ever forget that. Jesus is greater. And he hands me the keys to his four expeditions and say, I'm not attached to earthly possessions. Use my car so you can go to work to pay for college. He loaned me his car for an entire year so I can finish Bible college. I'll never forget leaving the school and I was a new believer and I had these wrath, I was wrestling because here it is, I was in amazement at what God had just done, but I still had these struggles. I was in amazement, but I still had these struggles. And one of the struggles was this, I had this thought, man, am I good enough for God to hear my prayers? Am I good enough? I grew up in a tradition where there were just rules and regulations and you had to meet a status quo. And I thought that you had to be perfect, that you had to have stuff all together, that you had to read your Bible all the time before God will count you worthy. And then I was reminded of the gospel, like you are never going to be good enough. That's why I love Christianity so much because you don't have to work for nothing. It's about receiving what God God has already provided for you. You will never be good enough. And God makes you worthy through what Jesus has done on the cross. Think about the number of people in here right now that are wrestling with this idea. Am I good enough? I've come here to tell you this morning, no, you're not good enough and you will never be good enough. You are not good enough and you will never be good enough. It's not about how good you are. It's about how great Jesus is. And I struggle with this other thought. Well, if, if, if that's the case, well, do I deserve it? How many of you have ever found yourself in a place where you're like, God, do I deserve for you to hear my prayers? Do I deserve for you to answer my prayers when I make petitions unto you? Do I deserve it? The real underlining message behind do I deserve it is if I am I worthy. Have you ever been in a place where you were wrestling and you were asking yourself, am I worthy? Am I worthy? For God to hear me. 
And the Bible is clear when it says that we are children of God as long as we have accepted Jesus Christ. And if we're children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs, that makes us more than conquerors. So yes, you are worthy. If you've been wrestling with this idea, Jesus makes you worthy because God is not seeing you based upon your works that you could do on his behalf. He's not seeing you based upon how you see yourself. He's seeing you through the lens of what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. And I come here to remind somebody this morning that yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are blood bought. Yes, you was ransomed and purchased back from death and sin by the great merciless, uh, matchless and merciful name of Jesus Christ. So get up off of your, uh, your, get up out of your slump and get yourself together and know that God loves you and cares for you. Do I deserve it? I'll never forget the long drive home. And I was wondering, what does it mean for Jesus to be my high priest? What does that really mean? I stayed up almost all night, uh, new to the faith, wrestling with so many different scriptures and trying to make the connections uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then I came across this passage in Leviticus uh, chapter 16 and verse 30, and it says, For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all of your sins. And I remember just weeping because we had studied the role of a high priest. You see, high priest in the Old Testament was to mediate and sacrifice on behalf of himself because he was imperfect and on behalf of God's people. And it was only one time a year on the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur that the high priest was able to go behind the veil in the tabernacle to approach the presence of God and offer up sacrifices so God would forgive the sins temporarily for God's people. And then it clicked. I heard Dr. Joe's voice saying, Jesus is your greater high priest. He's your greater high priest. Why? Because Jesus Christ as the greater high priest removes the waiting period. There is a whole year. Imagine being the children of Israel having to wait for a high priest to enter into the tabernacle, to go from the outer courts into the inner courts and into the holies of holies where he would go behind a veil and only one time a year you can have those sins forgiven and Jesus Christ comes to earth and he pays all of our debts and he pays all of our debts. I'm going to keep saying it and he pays all of our debts that at the moment that you call out to Jesus no longer do you have to wait. You can have forgiveness now, grace now, refuge now, comfort now. Peace now. He's your greater high priest. Let me ask you something. How long have you been waiting? 
How long have you been waiting to accept the forgiveness? John says that Jesus is the perfect lamb of God that has come to take away all of the sins of the world. So not only does he abolish the waiting period, he he removes the barrier between God and man. You see, in the Old Testament, high priests one time a year, they would push past the outer court into the inner court, into the holy of holies. And imagine being the children of Israel waiting outside, camped out the tabernacle. And you're just waiting because there's a barrier. You had to wait on a person to go and petition on your behalf. You're just waiting there. You're just sitting there. And it it seems like there's this barrier because you can't go behind the veil yourself. You can't go. But Jesus, when he comes, John says he's the perfect lamb that is able to go into the presence of God and offer himself up as the permanent sacrifice on your behalf. And in Matthew chapter 27, it says that when he gives up his spirit, he, the, the veil was torn from top to bottom. So no longer is there a barrier between you and God because Jesus has torn the veil and laid down his life as a bridge so we can walk over his life into eternity after we've received him and have eternal communion with our father in heaven. He's removed the barrier. What barriers are holding you back right now from communing with your holy father? I come here to tell you that Jesus Christ is our greater high priest because he has removed the barrier and the distance between you and God. Because not only was there a waiting period and not only was there a barrier, there was some distance. Yeah, there was some distance. Because not only did you have to wait once a year and not only was there a barrier, but there was a distance. You couldn't even go into the presence of God because you had to wait on somebody else to go on your behalf and you yourself was not in the presence of God. So when Jesus offers his life, he offers his life on the cross and not only does he tear down the veil from top to bottom, he closes the gap so at any given moment, the scripture says that you can go boldly before the throne of grace and he who is in heaven will hear your prayers based upon what Jesus Christ has did on your behalf. So let me ask you something. What's keeping you out of the presence of God? Because at any moment, any time, and anywhere, you can access our Father in heaven based upon what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. I'm going to ask you an important question. How long have you been distant this year? How long have you felt like you've had to wait this year for forgiveness? 
How long this year have you, have you felt like there was a barrier or a ceiling, a ceiling above your head where you can't get prayers up to God because you feel like there's a barrier and there's waiting and, and, and there's distance? But let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear that as soon as you accept Jesus Christ, there is therefore no condemnation found in you. There's no condemnation found in you because God, in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died on your behalf so that you might be able to commune with your Father in heaven. What are we waiting for? We have an opportunity to go boldly before the throne of grace about every single thing that is burdening us. Some of us need to go to the, to the throne room right now. And you may be wondering, to Aaron's, how do, how do I go boldly? You don't know. It's been a rough year. I've experienced some loss this year. I've experienced some setbacks this year. That's why I'm so passionate about reminding you how much Jesus means to us and how much greater he is for you because he's your great high priest. He then gives you access to constantly pursue the presence of God. And I came up with this acronym I, wanted to, I want to challenge you with and being bold. And the B stands for be intentional about how you spend time in prayer with God. I'm not talking about the checkbox challenge where prayer uh, becomes so routine that it doesn't get into your heart and it doesn't even inspire you anymore. It doesn't have you in the awe of what God can do in your life. I'm talking about uh, uh, being so intentional that you just pick out, I challenge you to pick out one thing, one thing that rises in your life that you've been struggling with this year, this month, this week. One thing that has been a challenge to you and saturate the thing in prayer. I'm not talking about the prayers that you pray once a week or maybe twice a week. I'm talking about when your feet hit the floor in the morning, not only are you saying, God, I thank you that this is the day that you made and I will walk in it and rejoice and be glad, but God, I'm coming to you again because I'm having issues on my job. I'm having issues in my marriage. I'm having issues in my family. God, I'm having issues and I need you to move on my behalf. And God, I thank you that you've given Jesus who's torn the veil so I can have direct access to you. What's the one thing that you need to just saturate in prayer? I challenge you to devote yourself to praying for this one thing until something happens. And I'm not up here as a prosperity gospel preacher promising you something with heaven, but I am reminding you that you have a God that cares for you and he's concerned with what concerns you. <coughs> the O stands for overcome the temptation to think that God will not understand. Uh, this is important because if we're really honest, sometimes things get so heavy and we're waiting so long. 
and they're so overwhelming and nobody seems to understand that maybe we allow the enemy, just maybe, to sometimes sow seeds of doubt into our minds where we start saying, well, maybe God isn't concerned. And I come to tell you that that is a lie from the enemy. As a matter of fact, because of what Jesus has done, uh, you can go to the throne of grace. (laughs) Grace is what God extends that we can't earn, can't be purchased, can't be bought. You don't need an appointment. You don't need an agenda. You don't have to be placed on a waiting list. You can go to your father and rest assured that whatever is concerning you also grieves him. Overcome this temptation to allow the enemy to cast doubt. Know that the Bible says that you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The hell is to lean on God's word. See, God's word has to become our foundation because when we go out into the world, we will be challenged and the enemy will try to sow lies into our life. But let me tell you that God's word comebacks every lie that the enemy will try to place in your life. So if you are burdened, Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. If you are worried, the Bible says that if God clothes the lilies of the field, he will take care of you. If you're in trouble, the Bible says God is a very present help in time of need. If you need safety, you can abide under the shadow of the almighty God. If you're confused, you can ask for wisdom. If you're sick, God can heal. If you are alone, the Bible says God is a friend. And if you need peace, the Bible also says that God is a comforter. What are you leaning on in times of crisis and trouble? See, God's word is living and active, just like the scripture says. We have to lean on it. And the deep, it's to deepen your intimacy with God by creating a personal time with God. Uh, here recently, I just got some Beats. Beats are uh, the headphones, you know. And I've upgraded, you know, I've, I've gotten away from the cord. You know, when you exercise and you hit the cord and you stop a song, you have to start all the way back over. I'm, I'm past that now, you know. And it was a good gift. It was a good gift. And so I got these Beats and I, I love Worship. So every time you see me, if I have some earphones in, people always ask, what, what are you always listening to? I, I'm listening to <clears throat> worship to constantly uh, remind myself of the promises of God, but also to stay in a posture where I'm praising God because I have access. Jesus has given me access as a high priest to constantly be in the presence of God. And I'm not the weird Christian. I'm not a super Christian, but I love to remind myself on a weekly basis, on a rhythmic basis of how great God is so that when I get before people, say people say, why are you so passionate? It's because I've been filling myself up with the presence of God. And I want to tell you to create some intentional time to deepen your intimacy with God because wherever you are in life, whatever crisis you're going through will show you who Christ is. And you have to remember 
that as you draw near to God, he will draw near back unto you. And I don't know if it's prayer for you or reading the scriptures for you. Some people can read the Bible for hours. Uh, Some people can pray for a long time. Some people love worship. Whatever it is that creates this connection with you, maybe you need to just restore that connection. Jesus is the greater high priest and he's given you that ability that at any moment, at any single moment, any time, anywhere, any place, you can access God. That's a privilege. It's a benefit of being a child of God. You know, this book of Hebrews is written to a predominantly Jewish audience who had extensive knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. And they were experiencing this spiritual dryness. They were Messianic Jews, meaning that they had been uh, grew, they grew up in Judaism, but they had accepted Christ as a Lord and personal Savior. But they're starting to fall back into old ways of thinking. And I come to challenge you this morning, don't fall back. Don't fall back. Because Christ is greater, greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than the Old Testament high priest. And if you really understood the Bible, you will understand that God has been pursuing us all, all throughout scriptures, speaking of the coming of Christ all throughout scripture. He's always wanted to show up for you. He's always wanted to show up for you. How do I know this? Because in Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman that will crush the serpent's head. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the priest, the altar, and the lamb of sacrifice. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, Jesus is the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, Jesus is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman, redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Nehemiah, Jesus is our restorer. In Esther, he is our advocate. In Job, he is our everlasting and ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, Jesus is our shepherd. In Proverbs, Jesus is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the hope of our resurrection. In the Song of Songs, he's the loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, 
He's the one with the right to rule. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband forever. In Joel, he's the one who baptizes with Holy Spirit and fire. In Amos, he's the restorer of justice. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's the foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the one that brings good news. In Nahum, he's our stronghold in the day of trouble. In Habakkuk, Jesus is God, my Savior. In Zephaniah, he's king of Israel. In Haggai, he's the signet ring. In Zechariah, he's the humble king riding on the coat. In Malachi, Jesus is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he's God with us. In Mark, the son of God. In Luke, he's the son of Mary. In John, he's the bread of life. In Acts, Jesus is the savior of the world. In Romans, he's the righteousness of our God. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's the resurrection and God who will comfort all. In Galatians, he's your liberty. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church. In Philippians, he's your joy. In Colossians, he's your completeness. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he's your hope. In Timothy, he's your faith. In 2nd Timothy, he's your stability. In Titus, he's Jesus, the truth. In Philemon, he's the benefactor. In Hebrews, he's your perfection. In James, he's the power behind your faith. In 1st Peter, he's your example. 2nd Peter, your purity. 1st John, your life. 2nd John, your pattern. 3rd John, your motivation. In Jude, he's the foundation of your faith. And in Revelation, he's your coming king. So don't you ever, for a second, question that Jesus, if Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater than anything you face. Jesus is greater than your hardship, greater than your challenges, greater than your setbacks, greater than your depression, greater than your upset nature, greater than your anger. Jesus is in pursuit of you because God loves you. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there are some of you, if I could be, there are some of you who would probably identify with how I was broken. And it was it's some of you that's kneeled down on the inside. People can't see it, but you're kneeled down because it's been too much pressure. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest things you can ever pray is one word, help. Help. God, help me get over this hurdle. God, help me get over this hurdle. God, help me with financial resources. God, help me get a healing. God, help me with my depression. God, help, I'm worried. God, help, I need peace. God, help, my family is broken. God, help, my marriage is falling apart. God, help. I'm talking to the person who's saying help. I'm giving you permission. No, as a matter of fact, Jesus has already given you permission to come to the throne of grace and just say help. And if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit will will make intercession on your behalf and interpret the cry and God hears. And there's some people in here 
who need to accept Jesus Christ as the high priest, the greater high priest. You don't have to wait anymore. You don't have a barrier anymore. You don't have the distance anymore. All you have to do is pray. And we're going to pray this morning for the person who may be kneeled down and needs to accept Jesus as Savior. If you will repeat these words, God, I believe that you're the creator of heaven and earth. God, I believe that you gave your only son to die on my behalf to pay pay the final debt where I don't have to keep coming back because you provided everything in Jesus. I receive your son as my savior. I ask you to walk with me. Help, help, help. And I also want to pray over those of us who are just like the people We've had spiritual dryness. God, I pray that you restore the joy of salvation. That you remind people that they never have to get tired of you. They never have to get tired of your grace because your grace never runs out. Never runs out. Never gives up never gives up. Your love never gives up. Strengthen them. Walk with them. And remind them that they have access to you through our greater high priest. Amen.